Welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James, and each week I'm going to chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Simon Gibson, who you'll get to know a whole lot more during the course of this conversation. Simon is a learning leader, and as well as working at NBC Universal, which we talked very briefly about, also worked and led learning and development at Fujitsu and RS Components. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Simon, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Now, we first met when I was at Disney and you were at NBC Universal and we were both directors of learning and OD in our organisations. Now, that was some years ago. A few a bit, years. Yeah. <laughs> quite a bit has yeah. changed since. Yeah. Now, your LinkedIn profile has you down as transforming learning and OD. What does this mean for you? Um, great question. Good start, right? So <laughs> I suppose what does that mean for me? That means a couple of things. One is about our profession and, mm-hmm. and how that's viewed in the, the broader context of what learning and OD and lots of other things that it's meant to be called is doing. Mm-hmm. And also making a difference in the businesses that I've worked in, yeah. right? Um, so, so without giving away too much of our further conversation, that's kind of the two avenues I see that. Yeah. playing at the moment mm-hmm. um and i think that that you, know, you just you pretty much just said it and i think that we both see that that l and d is changing perhaps not all of l and d and not at the same pace now we i think we agree that it should but how would you sum up what's going on right now and perhaps what you're seeing because you know you've been in you know various roles you're at uh, rs components now right. Fujitsu before and you yeah. know so you're seeing this in, in yeah. real life um, so you're joining these organisations in certain states and, you know, re- they might require transforming. So what, what is it, what, you know, what, 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 what's changing? Um, again, I think there's, there's a really interesting thing about what happens outside of work and is now bleeding into work quicker, faster, um, in a more impactful way. So if we look at, um, you know, what I would term our experiences, lots of people talk about that in different ways, but design experiences, you know, mm. much fabled talk of Uber and Amazon and Airbnb, etc. Um, actually, this is much bigger than that now. And, mm. and, and if you're in an environment, in a work environment, a business environment, where you have to explain something to somebody in a 10 page document or, yeah, we need to show them this thing and it's five days away and mm. four days of doing this. Uh, I think we've got it wrong. And, mm. and, and why have we got it wrong? Well, because that's not how it happens or you would expect outside of work. You don't go and order some food on Just Eat and go, yeah, I've just got to read these 10-page instructions. Mm. No, you download the app, you pick something, you order it, it turns up less than 30 minutes later. And and I just think that's smashed into work at such a pace, especially over my experiences over the last two to three years. Mm. It's hitting a lot of people squarely between the eyes and, and kind of going, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Right? I don't know about artificial intelligence and what that might do to my organisation. Why would I talk to you about that, Simon? What Mm. do you know? Well, I I know quite a lot, actually, and I'm interested in the business context and and what that might mean today and tomorrow, right? And then that's hard because lots of UK organisations, international organisations, they're focused on delivery for today, right? You know, profits for today, not let's take a bet or or invest some money for tomorrow. Mm. Well, it's a funny old situation because... You know, what you've just said there, how I've interpreted it, is that expectations are changing from our clients internally. Um, they get that experience with Just Eat, but of course then they have 
to continue the food analogy, they've got feasts on five-day learning yep. content, but the, the expectations have changed that they want what they need now, but they'll also be asking for courses at the same time. So we're in this, again, you're going to be at the sharp end of that. How do you temper the, the, uh, the, the expectations of people who want just what they need now with the requests for training for those who report into them. Yeah, that's, it's a, a brilliant point and, and one I've talked about and actually had some uh, experiences in the last few days of, mm. of, of, of what does that mean. Um, I, I just think it's a really hot topic in, in, in you know, other people and, you know, I talk about uh, David and the guys at Fosway mm. and, you know, they talk about the conspiracy of learning and, and, and it, it really hits home for me sometimes when I talk about it. It's like, well, you make a thing mm. and, and that thing lasts three days and it's a really good experience and uh, I think I need a thing. So you make a thing. So why don't we just keep this dialogue going, right? And then I'll yeah. tell my mates about your thing and then they can come to you about the thing and you think your thing's really good anyway, right? Yeah. And if I'm brutally honest and, and, and you know, and kind of cutting on that, I'm like, well, so what? What's mm. the point of that? If it's just about the experience... Cool, right? If you just wanted to take people out of their work environment, re-energize, refresh them, put mm. them back. Cool. Be clear about the purpose. You're yeah. not educating anybody. You're not changing anything. Mm. You're not informing anything. So, so to bring it back to your question, what happens? How does that play out? You know, you have to be quite blunt, and I am quite blunt, right? You know, if you want a thing, I'm not the guy to talk to to yeah. keep doing that thing. If we want to talk about and get into more detail about how we can improve this business area over here mm. and all the performance of some people there and what that might mean to our commercial drivers that we're managing our KPIs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really interested yeah. in that. And it might be three days worth of thing. Yeah. Ironically, but you don't get to come to me to tell me that first. Yeah, it it right. sounds I'm probably, probably, I'm probably sounding a bit kind of elitist, but I'm, I'm trying to challenge the status quo. Right? Mm. I'm trying to challenge the norm of, of where that conversation starts. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that you've, I mean, you've got a good point in that it, it's all right to have a thing. So for a, a lot of the time, you'll have senior stakeholders who, who it's difficult to say no, who want this thing and they want three days, they want it immersive, they want it off site. It's all right to carry on that conversation. But to your point, let's not pretend that it's going to have sustained performance enhancement as a result of that. Certainly from a technical or a core skills perspective, it might from a motivational and it might help people to connect if it's the right group and if it's done in the right way and they're having the right conversations. But maybe we need to stop pretending that that shed load worth of content shared during that time, whether it's practiced or not, is going to translate into fundamentally different things happening at work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and a really impactful outcome, right? Mm. You know, as as Again, bouncing around. Do you, do we want to keep measuring output? Bums on seats. Mm. How many people booked and looked, touched the thing? Don't really care, to no. be honest. Um, it might be nice. It's in your end of year report or or your roll up of we did a lot of stuff. So I got to tell my boss I did a lot of stuff. We yeah. can tell their boss they did a lot of stuff. Cool. Um, I'm interested in the conversation that says we did X and it delivered Y. Um, so why don't we do some more of that, right? Yeah. And then, then that sells it. I'm not selling anything, right? I'm selling commercial impact or the appropriate outcome that we agreed mm. uh, uh, at the start. And I'm passionate about it. And, and why am I passionate about it? Back to your question at the start of, of what I say I do and, and what I stand for is because I think some people just don't know what to do. Yeah. In my experience, mm. in people I've talked to, in events I go to, in, in networking events, in seeing other organisations. Mm. 
and we've known each other a long time and I put a lot of energy into my network. I want to know what's going on. Other people, what they're doing, how it works. I'm going to borrow it with (laughs) uh, as much as I can. And and still I'm concerned too many people are doing too much of Mm. the same thing. That's not to discredit somebody who stands up in a class and can deliver something with real impact Mm -hmm. and knowledge and understanding. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. No, no. Uh, um, that's different. Yeah. Right. And and that's okay. But you can't pretend that that's still the answer. Mm. This is the course that that people will attend probably every other year. Yeah. That, you know this. The, you know it's a good opportunity to step back to work with colleagues from across the business to share different ideas to talk about how that might relate to your role. But let's not pretend that these people. You know, this is a constant thing, and that that. The people experience a, a worthwhile classroom experience every other month or something. This isn't. This is, in, in my experience, when I was at Disney, there, not only did we did people only attend, say, a program once a year, once every two years, some of the time, hmm. the vast majority of people we never saw in a course, yeah. ever. Yeah. So what are we saying? That that's all right? That, that those people... Are uh, they know what they need to develop on, and so they'll continue to do that. Let's not really worry about organisational capability here, because everybody's kind of feeding their own. Yeah, driving. And, well, <laughs> and you take the conversation in a great direction, and, and and again, something I'm really passionate about, and talking to my current organisation about. Mm. We had a, a really interesting conversation with LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and and their pitch was basically, we know more about your employees than you do. Through through that particular platform, lots of other platforms mm. available. We're not here to endorse anyone. <laughs> um, but, you know, they were basically saying, we know about their skills and capability better than you do today, right? And, I, you know, that really hit home with me and, and it was quite powerful. So me being me, I'm, you know, I'm following the noise, I'm following the information and I'm saying, so what data do we have on our people? How mm. can we analyse the real data, assuming we have the capability to analyse the data, yeah. to tell us what people might be doing or, or ha- you know, could be doing. So how do we know we haven't got, we've got uh, like a warehouse environment where people pack stuff and, and, and send it out for shipping? How do we not know that in that type of environment we've got a rock star who's going to be our next data analyst, yeah. our next scientist, who's into machine learning, who's geeking off at home, doing something in their basement, mm-hmm. in their own time? Uh, we have no way of finding that out, right? But but why <laughs> why why do I think that's a thing? Well, because you can learn all that stuff in a basement, in mm. your bedroom, like we're doing here, in an environment, you know, mm. pretty much off your own back. And organisations have a massive responsibility to enable that, to support that. Government does, mm. the private, you know, uh, private sector does, charity sector does. There's a huge narrative about our skills gap. Yeah. Right. And back to my, you know, where are you going? What are you aiming for? Trying to change and transform. You ain't going to close a skills gap at a UK PLC level. No. By saying, let's run some more of this course, no. right? <laughs> but even at a government level, you, you, we hear um, uh, consecutive prime ministers saying that we're going to address the skills gap. We're going to invest in training. I mean, I think of that and I think, oh, no, here we go. It's again, and how will we measure that? Bums on seats, completions, satisfaction? Well, you can, it, that's a great point, right? You, you look at that today and today, you, you know, I'll share some, I'm sure we can attach some, some reports to mm. this, but um, the government says, well, we pump more money into school education, right? Mm. Well, it's a bit hard to track where that's actually going and what that's turning into, but yeah. we get bums on seats going through a further education. Actually, we're going to pump more into the much fabled apprenticeship programme. Mm. 
you look at data today, somewhere between 14 to 20% of that pot's being utilised. Mm. That's the best part of £3 billion unused for potential upskilling, reskilling, future capability. Now, why do I think that's an issue in organisations? Because the government has come along and put some very stringent guidelines around how that's used, mm. time off job, 20% time. That makes lots of people scared. I talked to my CEO last week, you know, what do you mean 20% time? I ain't up for that, right? <laughs> well, no, they're going to apply what they're learning. Oh, I don't know, right? You know, mm. and this is in a massive skill set. We're looking yeah. at data, right? You know, data analysts, how we can use all this information that we've got on mm. customers, suppliers. We haven't got the people to do that. Well, why is that? But because everybody wants them. Yeah. Everybody. Mm. One thing, one thing you could do is better utilise that pot of money from a levy. Not everything, just one thing, yeah. right? Um, the data says hardly anybody's using it. Mm. That's a problem. Who's looking at that on a holistic level? And, and I, you know, I appreciate I'm talking about one country and, and we deal in multiple countries and... Mm. Many people have worked across multiple territories. We have. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of sophistication added to the complexity of how do you grow organisational capability at varying speeds, mm. in varying locations, at, you know, in varying stages of maturity. Yeah, and so a lot of that's going to be uh, understanding and operating within the context of, of our organisations and the territories within it. And I want to build on what you just mentioned there. You've got access to your CEO. Um, when I was at Disney... Uh, I worked with both the UK board and the European board, not the HR board, as you know, you know you're talking about your CEO, we're talking about the president of, mm. of Europe, Middle East and Africa. When I was sitting on that board, I was exposed to conversations that weren't about training. They mm. were around capability. They were about preparing people for something fundamentally different. We were talking about enhancing skills of leaders and managers for which attendance and completion were not sufficient measures of success mm. it was that they were able to deliver more greatly and, and better results through yeah. and with their teams i mean look we've mentioned it before you director you're head of now so you're accountable for the learning and development function across you know an organization and a territory being exposed to those conversations how has that shaped your view now of learning and development and how it needs to be transformed yeah look <clears throat> it's it's partly my personality isn't it right because i'll own that you know i'm quite a curious inquisitive uh, uh cheeky type chap who's going to ask some <laughs> challenging questions hopefully in a constructive way that that i don't i don't want to pitch that at a level below where i'm going to get the answer so mm. what does that mean am i being hierarchical no I, I want to talk to the forum or people or peoples that are going to understand that when you're asking for multi-million pounds worth of investment mm. or 10,000 pounds worth of investment or 10,000 euros worth of investment, this is what it will do and why it's important. Yeah. Why do I feel you have to have that type of conversation and be brave and you know and be really open to what level of dialogue happens in those forums? Is That's going to help our profession build credibility. That's mm. going to help our profession. And I'll quite happily share that experience mm. or experiences doesn't work every time um it, i probably encounter more traditional views slowly changing at that quite senior level but mm -hmm. still quite traditional but but like you say with quite a holistic lens right so it's quite interesting you know they're talking about the or you know x amount of hundreds or x amount of thousands mm -hmm. of people or x amount of territories 
um, that has no reference to we need to get 200 people through line management training by no. Thursday, right? <laughs> well, that's, that's an L&D problem, isn't it? Yeah. Or an HR problem. Yeah. It's, and it, it's, it's purely administrative. Yeah, it's, well, it's, no, it's not business. I, I think, and that's the brilliant point. I, I think it's an administrative problem, mm. challenge, right? So, so if, let's use that example. If that is important and that's come up, well, do you know what? Then get people that are really rock stars at program project management mm. to shift people through your thing. You know, put yeah. energy and effort into what are the things that you're talking about or showcasing or stimulus or challenge that you're putting into that or wraparound or support or ongoing resources that will endorse what you've talked about or challenged. Um, because you find out, coming back to your question, you find out about things that you probably wouldn't find out about in a normal day-to-day traditional HR environment of where the business is going, what's mm. happening. Yeah, you might be able to then reference what the CFO said, the CEO said, the MD of whatever mm. said. Um, you then get access to more information, which you can turn into insights to, to, to create something or, mm. or find something you might not even have to create something. Yeah. Well, I remember being more junior um, again at Disney and, and being wheeled in front for my profiling purposes. And I had a, um, a head of HR who was good at the profiling part almost wheeled me out in front of senior stakeholders and says, this is David, you know, he's in charge of learning and development in the UK. He runs a suite of courses, you know, he runs the the annual learning show that we do as well. And, you know, you're just thinking, you know, and at the time thinking, oh, wow. And, but, but now I kind of think that what we were doing is we were framing learning and development to our leaders as this kind of nice to have, mm. as this kind of, um, it's, it's about courses and content that a lot of them would have expected anyway but we were by no means sharing the value of what that might be, for which when I was then responsible for learning and development for EMEA and sat on the board, I was totally unprepared for those conversations, such as Italy has a, a thriving physical publishing business, but we know that that's on the wane. Um, we also have pretty much zero churn in, uh, the, uh, uh, in the country. How do we prepare those people for, to, to run a digital business? You're kind of thinking, oh, crikey, there isn't a course for that. And, yeah. you know, and you're, you're actually accountable for results. Now, I had a, a great local team in Italy and they pretty much run mini apprenticeships, accelerated mm. apprenticeships to, to take a seed of, of know-how and capability and make that prevalent across the entire region. Mm. We were hamstrung hugely by technology across the, the, uh, the company because like most companies, we had a rubbish LMS and it was filled full of generic content and there was no aspiration or no expectation that technology was going to do anything other than that, yeah. you know. So huge part of the role was lugging that around like a millstone around my neck, trying to get anybody to it, <laughs> bribing them to go to the LMS, whilst also trying to do the job incredibly manually. It's uh, yeah. yeah. So back to the administrative point, right? Mm. And, then, you know, you've, you've sparked off a real kind of interesting dialogue because I think having those similar conversations at a senior level or being presented with some of those real dynamic true business and i mean that in the nicest possible way true business challenges mm. um and then you go and talk to somebody about going i think i can help right mm. because i've understood it i've understood what's going on in italy actually i've got some connections there actually i've walked a mile in their shoes i went and spent some time there i've done this i've done that i, I you know i can picture i won't name them on this but i can picture people's faces kind of going this guy's talking a lot of sense i think mm. he can help me doesn't compute with his job title, does it? So just, I'm not really sure 
he's selling me, he's kind of telling me he can, he's actually, he's proved to me almost he can help me with my problem in Italy. Mm. Not really sure I should trust. Do you know what I mean? It's it's really funny dynamic that goes back to that, you know, is that a HR job? Yeah, somebody, that, somebody there yeah. probably on looking and thinking, yeah. well, you should stay in your lane, son. Yeah, you yeah. Know? <laughs> leave the business to us. Wind your neck in, right? <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, and I think that's a, a, a wonderful rhetoric that bounces around, around, you know, we're not commercial enough. Mm. Love that, right, you know, love that. Having spent half my career in a sales role, mm. right, you know, and running teams and owning a portfolio and working in retail at a very early age. Mm. Um, stop getting people who haven't worked in a sales or frontline role then. Yeah. That, that, that'll sort out your commercial problem because, yes, whilst you can get some better understanding on commercials, you can learn to read a P&L, you can... Mm turn up today and listen to your company's results that, w- that we've just published and, you know, and learn more about what's actually going on. I knew most of that. Or yeah. was that because I put some time and energy to talk to people, to find out, to ask questions, to connect, to work out where we go put our energy? Well, I would do that, Simon, but I, were, I operate in the learning silo. <laughs> you, you operate in the working silo <laughs> yeah. and I've got these programmes and content to, to look after and minister over here yeah. and I've got to go back to the classroom, so, uh, so maybe I'll leave that to you. But look, um, joking aside, um, we, we, we're talking about some of the big picture stuff and, and how learning and development um, could connect itself and should connect itself to, to, the, to the priorities of the organisation. But if we're talking about the challenges that's facing learning and development now, we've been touching on them. What would you recognise those to be right now? Yeah, I, I think a big front of face meaty challenge is credibility to talk in whatever mm. forum. Let's let's remove the hierarchy away from it to talk in any forum in your organisation about the impact that you can have on mm. doing things that will help shape and transform the organisation. I came from a meeting earlier. And, and as I would, you know, I've got a view. I, I believe if you are not helping shape and transform your organisation, if you're just literally getting it to stand still, if you're sitting at the same point or mm. doing whatever you're doing in our world, um, I think you're in danger of, of becoming obsolete very, very quickly. You're mm. suddenly a very expensive cost. Or actually, you're just an overhead. Yeah. It's just a very simple overhead. And do you think that's imminent then? Um, do you think that uh, either... The profession has moved on or is moving on and reaching some kind of tipping point because let's be honest, the the skills that have seen learning and development through for you know, decades, which is predominantly um, training, delivery and design, uh, administration, as we've mentioned, some coaching and mentoring and some project management, those have seen learning and development mm. professionals through for, for decades. Are we really reaching a tipping point in which um, uh, somebody who hasn't got more than that becomes obsolete or are we just the latest generation of commentators saying as such yeah well, well hopefully not a commentator because i do play a bit as well right so <laughs> you are you are yeah i'm a, I'm a player manager right um yeah um yeah no look, a good challenge right i get your mm. point i do get your point i, I feel There's an interesting thing happening, and I think I would probably reference my last four or five organisations that I've worked in in the last few years, where if you took an element of what would traditionally be known as the IT function, Mm. if you took an element of what would traditionally be known as marketing or internal communication, uh, if you took an element of what we would still call today the learning and development function, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that's broader with those topics around culture or organizational approach what do they really stand for purpose all these wonderful things that you can 
talk about. Um, that combined, mixed up, you know, and spits out this new generic. I think that's what learning's becoming. And, you know, I'm a half full type guy, right? So I'm saying that's a massive opportunity mm. for somebody to step into a role and say the way that you talk to your people, the way you engage your people, the way you motivate your people, maybe the way you pay people. What do you know about pay? I don't know, but it's another level you need to go and learn about. Mm. Uh, the things that you let people have access to, the things that you would like people to have access to, how and what you do to find the many things that help people get their job done better mm. could be you, could be your role, could be your team. Big energy, big effort to mm. uh, convince and showcase that's the power of this type of role mm. versus you've just made a load of stuff up, Simon, right? So that's comms job, that's IT's job, and those two ain't going to talk anyway, and mm. your HR or wherever you sit, off you pop, mm. you know? So that right yeah and i feel you know being really challenging i feel it's very easy to back away from it right keep mm -hmm. your head down do what you're doing pop up for the occasional board presentation yep. or top team presentation or your bit of profile stuff mm. or go back to the job description the one you recruited for which was you know pretty much probably 10 years old it maybe it's just being refined over the last 10 years and it says maintain the course catalog yeah, it says whatever yeah, yeah look look after the content in the lms I haven't had a job description for three years, right? Mm. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating. I don't have one. Yeah. I've not had one. I've gone in. They've said, we want to do this stuff. I've said, let me do some homework. I think you should try this stuff. Let's yeah. meet in the middle and see how it goes, right? Mm. That's not for everybody, mm. but that's a threat as well, right? Yeah. That's a big threat. But I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you and I'm optimistic about the opportunities that learning and development face. I'm perhaps not as optimistic about L&D being prepared now or, or generally it being on the radar to prepare for doing learning and development differently. And I've got to challenge myself. It's not about doing a, a digi, uh, learning and development. It's about achieving outcomes mm. with, uh, with learning and development. And, the, you know, the reason I, I, I say this is because I, I still speak with a lot of heads of and directors of, uh, of L&D who tell me that it's really difficult to recruit learning and development people who aren't really solid trainers mm. um not not that you can't be a, a trainer but there's mm. so much more to it um which kind of leads me on to to my next question um because whilst learning and development isn't about technology and we should never be driven by our technology i mean some of the, the worst crimes in learning and development surely have got to be working with what you've got where we've mm. got the lms we've got content Maybe what we need to do is put uh, a SharePoint front on it because it's yep. a disaster to use and we yep. can hyperlink straight into these courses because if people went into the courses, they'll find out that there, there might be something useful. Mm. I mean, look at the hope even in, you know, that, that coming out of my mouth. But in my opinion, I think we do that stuff because more generally, and again, it's a general question rather than looking at specifics, I don't think L&D really get digital. I mean, is that... Is that your experience? Yeah, it's a really healthy, healthy, healthy challenge, mm. right? Uh, you know, and, and then you get into this wonderful world of, of what is digital and you add to that what is transformation and then, oh, do those things go together? What's digital transformation? And that probably just means us doing our stuff online, right? Rather than a catalogue. I'm working for a company that was famous for producing a catalogue for 80 years, right? Mm. You know, you can imagine what our digital transformation looks like. <laughs> well, we're not going to print catalogues anymore. <laughs> no, Right. No. Yeah, the resistance internally. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, but that's that's my job, right? That's my team. That's my area. That's my life. You know, this is real, real impact on real people, mm. and and that's hard when you've kind of got to go. 
No, we're not, right? Mm. And 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 so is is learning prepared for digital? Does it know what it is? There's a there's a wonderful anecdote that says you know the context is everything in that organisation. Yeah. Um, and I think again, it's got a, a you know a, a, a two faced lens to it. One is about the technologies that are interfering, disrupting business models today, and some of those delivery mechanisms mm. that have flavoured sweet talk people into you know well. I'm sure Nigel gave a view on a, on a previous one. <laughs> you know, why did we put everything online and expecting everything to change and people to learn in that way? It just didn't quite compute. That was a cost approach. Okay, yeah. got it. But then if you follow, again, if you follow research today, people's ability to learn and uh, consume varying forms of media is, is almost free, right? It's technically free if you follow a YouTube type yeah. approach, right? And, and they're not worried about content production and... Mm video quality there can it answer the thing i need to be answered in a timely way that's actually really easy for me to understand don't like that one go to the next one. Oh, that's quite good yeah i trust that that'll do yeah and off you go done right yeah. didn't record it anywhere actually the person that recorded it, it's probably youtube or google or a another search engine that's tracking you and what you're doing and where you're going mm. but on a personal level gone yeah and the, the world's full now of uh, free content look there's going to be some stuff that's uh that uh might not be like 100% accurate. I'm mm. trying, to, trying yeah. to think of anything other than yeah. fake news on there because it's so, it's so much more than that. But, you know, one of the big opportunities I think that, that we miss in learning and development is what if we just sorted out with technology everything that stems from how do we do things around here and don't worry so much about trying to educate people on every core skill that we can, not looking at our, our course schedule and thinking, well, we don't have anything on conflict. Why don't we just spend our time on like looking at conflicts and, <laughs> and actually start addressing the real needs within the, an organisation, which is the context. How do you help people to uh, first of all assimilate within to, within a role or within the organisation? How do you help them when they are ready to 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 understand a more sophisticated level of operation <laughs> within the organisation? How do you prepare them to? Uh, to make the next steps, how do you help them with any transition? I mean, there's the one of the biggest gaps yeah. in any any organisation. Yeah. I always say that new managers are probably neglected um, beyond any other in, in the organisation because mm. how many new managers don't receive any formal development for weeks, months, or years after they've been in the role? And yet, you know, we we work with clients, and uh, and the most common question that comes from brand new managers is, "What do I do first? Try delivering that." Yeah, a month, yeah, a month, that one out. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, not sure, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. How did you get on with that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and again, it's a bit, you know, a, a passionate subject that you know, very almost generic. And I'm not, we're not dumbing them down in any no. way. Very generic challenges that exist in many organisations. That the, the bit back to where we were discussing, where does that get discussed? Who agrees that? Who doesn't agree that? Who has a view? Who doesn't have a view? Is and are those things important to that organisation? Mm at that time and you know it's some great conversations i'm having at the moment about you know when we talk about everybody and upskilling everybody or giving people access to, to to something what does that actually mean what what are we looking to change mm. right do we do we really need to tell everybody about industry 4.0 actually yeah we probably do because mm. it would help frame our reference of where we're going and our strategy and and the thing i keep challenging myself about and and, and really trying to hold true is there's a balance between gut feel. It feels the right thing yeah. to do. I've spoken to some people. I've had some difficult, really difficult, horrible conversations with people who have really challenged and pushed and probed every 
kind of avenue that I've tried to, to, to suggest. And you've seen some things versus acting. What's the data yeah. telling you? What is the information that you either have today or can have in the not too distant future that can help form a more robust outcome? Yep. Then Simon or David said, yeah, it feels like a really good thing to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, like quality conversations or yeah. emotional intelligence training. If I, I could convince you in less than a minute that that was the right thing to do for all new managers, and we probably had those conversations yep. anyway, but a lot of that stuff is based on, as you say, limited observations on gut feel or somebody more senior pressing for that to happen. And then it doesn't take long to convince until it gets down to the people who are expected to do that. And they'll tell you, yeah, look, it seems like a great idea, but I'm not going to do it. And the reasons I'm not going to do it is because I don't have time and it's not actually my job. So off you pop. Yeah, and, it's not real. Yeah, to your real. point, it's not real. It's, not, it's real. not how we work here, right? I don't get the chance to sit down for you for an hour and a half. We grab a nice cup of coffee. Mm. We have a really nice relaxation. No, I've got 15 minutes. I was meant to see you yesterday. I cancelled that. I'm mm -hmm. really busy. No, I'm, I'm going to be at the airport, actually. So can you phone me? On the way to the airport, so we can have that final. God, I haven't really got time to talk about this, David. Could you just do that thing, mm. and uh, I'll speak to you next month. Boom. You know, that's that's real. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's absolutely real. Yeah. yeah, that's real. So, what can we do to that scenario that would help that individual, both those individuals, that manager, that context? Not a lot, right? I have, I don't have a time machine, so. You then get into well, actually, what do we value around here? Do we value time? Mm. Do we really value time? Because if you keep putting your foot on people's necks to deliver today, productivity, productivity, productivity. More with less, more with less, more with less. More with less, yep. more with less. You know, turn, turn the profit, turn the profit, turn the profit. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point, people go, uh, I was going to swear, but, you know, they're not going to do that. No, uh, thanks, right. but no thanks. Mm. Um, and again, you know, my experience tells me Mayor worked in a really interesting organisation, massive growth, uh, recruitment company. Got the pressure, right? The pressure that they were under. Very mm. traditional sales environment. High, high, high pressure. Long, long, long hours. Done nothing to help them manage people. Their growth, hyper, hyper growth. Mm. Ad adding hundreds of people per month. We were hundreds of new people per month. Oh, you did really well last month, David. Thanks for that. Here's a new team of nine. Mm. Good luck with that. Yeah. You know, whites of their eyes type stuff. Like, yeah. Do I get any support with this? What? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there's quality conversations uh, calls <laughs> yeah. happening next month. <laughs> yeah, you could just book yourself on for that and uh, we'll have a chat in about four months' time if you're still here. So, Look, the, the gritty realities of, uh, of in-house, uh, I, th I think that, uh, that can be um, underplayed and I think that, that a lot of L&D rhetoric might be, you know, around gaining top-level support and all that, you know, bringing everybody with you and, and all of that stuff that you kind of go, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. You know, I've always got that. But there is the, the gritty reality is that it's, it's far more complex. There are politics at play as well as skills. Um, but going back to, uh, to modernising, um, uh, one thing that I've observed is uh, when I'm talking about this stuff online, um, there's always an excuse why not to modernise. And I've always mm -hmm. already mentioned one there that, that you need, um, that, that change needs to start from the top, that line managers need to own employee development, People prefer courses, all reasons why we shouldn't modernise and do something fundamentally different in L&D. Um, so what do you think it does take to modernise? Mm. Great, great, great question. Um, it, it takes a lot of energy and effort, mm. a real lot of energy and effort. Um, it, can, it can take one person to be the enabler and, and push that through. It can take many people, many meetings, many teams uh, 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 you know, and, and 
time to start to push that through. Mm. Uh, you know, positive me says it's really simple. Showcase what works, mm. why it works, what's the value and what's of value to that audience, to that company, to that CEO, to your shareholder, to whoever. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, and or reinforce that. There's always a wonderful thing. And I don't know if you've, if you, if you've experienced this, but when, when you say, um, you know, and I used you, I remember doing it as well. You know, I've spoken to Disney. This is what Disney do. Mm. You know, people go, well, that's really interesting, right? But if I'd have said the thing that you did without Disney, it's almost like they question your credibility yeah. or, or, or knowledge. Now, that could be a bit of my own self-talk, but it's happened a lot of times, right? Mm. A lot of times. And, and, and that, that's really interesting. So then what, what do you need to make change happen? You need to show it can be done. Mm. You need to be willing to put in the energy and effort. And, and you know, very cliched, you probably need to understand what is that burning bridge, burning platform some organisations aren't really going to have it, are they? Mm. Because it's comfortable doing well. My challenge, again, would be, well, for how long, right? Yeah. Because if you want to change by the time you've realised, that's too late. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you've missed that or somebody's going to take you out or take you out of business or, mm. you know. But there's something about speed, something about energy, and there's just something about, you know, just real grit and resilience mm. in driving that through. Yeah, and showing, and as you said, I think that showing what works beyond just engagement numbers is is important if we're going to change the conversation because it is one thing to show training days and training hours which on one hand shows how long you've had people away from their work and you aren't able to show any results um, off the back of that you're justifying the spend on an lms that anecdotally you know isn't doing a job really beyond compliance um so a lot of it a lot of data that, that's collected in learning and development is about justification of uh, of the spend as it were what, what i'm hearing you say is um do stuff that works affect the business speak a language that that um the business recognize because mm. you're working on their priorities um and show them how your work has made a difference in order to build the credibility and gain more currency to do more of the right stuff and almost have them look back in a few months from now and say do you remember when we used to do all of those courses and things? Yeah, and, you wasn't know. that mad? Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, just to jump in, right, there was a great conversation I had last week with someone outside my organisation. And, you know, I mentor some people. I, I try and support some people. And I was at an event and I was trying to understand about somebody was explaining a programme. And it was almost the reverse. I was trying to get them to almost talk back to me about the amount of time people would be away from doing their job. Mm. On their thing, and you can put a fiscal cost to that. You could take an average salary, you know, you can times that by the amount of days, the actual time. Yeah, you, know, you could argue, right? Well, you're frigging about with data, Simon, but I'm mm. like, yeah, but there's an impact to that. I've actually stopped you doing your job for 12 days. Yeah. If on average, for one day of work, you deliver 10, you know, I've just stopped you doing 120. You haven't delivered outcome of 120. That's weird, isn't it? You know, and trying to get somebody in my profession to understand. The reverse of their argument, it's only 12 days and it's this thing, it, mm. you know, it just reinforces probably what we've talked about, right? Mm. You know, some people have got a really long way to come and they're really comfortable going, but it was only 12 days, right? And mm. it was a great, great thing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. I'm just kind of saying I'm not really sure what it did, right? Mm. <laughs> and therefore, so what? Yeah, totally so what? So then you do have, my point being, and you, you know, you're saying then have a conversation, a different conversation about what is important mm. and what you could do and what you are going to commit because you've got to stand next to it, right? Yeah, we're going to do this and this is what it's going to deliver mm. or not. Or we're going to try something out 
and we think it might do this, right? Let's be really brave. And it might not go that well, but you've got to stand back up and go, sorry, <laughs> didn't do that thing that we said it was going to do. But we did learn this, right? Yeah. And here's some more information. Here's some more data. You, you had the right intention. You, yeah. you, you intended in order to, to, uh, to impact the work itself via performance mm. uh, in some way. Now, I, I think we, we, we're coming to the, to the end of the podcast. And I think that you, with so much that you've said there, I think that people listening to this uh, are either going to recognise now that they are stuck in the situation that they're in, whether they are leading the L&D function, whether they are the next level down, or maybe they are you know, the next level down um, below that, um, or they've realised for a while that they're stuck. If they're in that position and you were going to summarise you know, what, what we've been talking about here, what, what, would, what would you say to them? And I, I suppose even better, like, what would you do? Yeah, what would I do? What would I say? Great. Um, so, so I suppose I'd say, you know, I always offer my help to the profession. So, so you can find me quite freely. Probably <laughs> <laughs> they can find you quite freely. And, and I'm happy to talk to and meet anybody one-to-one and share my experiences in more detail or, mm. or, or, or talk about certain challenges. Um, I, I suppose, what would I do? I would probably take a step back and really think about what I want to do in terms of my role, whatever your level in, in, in our profession, across our profession. I would probably get some counsel outside of our profession on let me tell you what I think I want to do and let me tell you what I'm doing. Uh, I would look around at people you respect inside, outside of your organisation and, and, and try and understand what have they done that's helped them get to where they want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, you know, apply some healthy challenge. Are you going and looking and finding different things and different people? Are you actually practicing what you preach? Yeah. Do words and pictures match? Are you learning from different things in different ways? You don't have to have a ton of depth on what you know and need to know, but know enough, right? Yeah. And and follow that curiosity, very cliche growth mindset. Read something different. Listen to some. Listen to this podcast, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll tell your friends. Uh, would be kind of my crude summary, right? You know, get that stimulus. And if all mm. of that comes together and says, you know what, I'm in the wrong role and I can't keep doing this, that's okay. There's mm. that's We've got a pretty generic skill set. It is transferable to do other things. Mm. If you want to make a change and an impact and want to grow through this organisation or this profession, that's okay as well, right? Mm. And and find the right support and, and people around you to, to make that happen. Wonderful. And um, you're on Twitter Simon, you post regularly on LinkedIn. Um, people can find you there and follow your activity in a non-stalkerish way. Yeah, I'm sure hopefully. you'll have, you'll advocate. Yeah, we'll put your uh, your uh, Twitter handle and your your LinkedIn uh, handle on uh, in the show notes, if that's all right. Cool. Um, all's left for me to say, Simon, is thank you very much. This has been uh, a pleasure speaking with you. It's been hugely valuable and insightful for me, and I'm sure it's going to be for the listener. Thank you, Simon. Cool. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Personally, I did very much and it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to speak with Simon and find out more about not just about what's going on in his world as far as leading in learning and development, but also his thinking really is uh, a genuinely uh, progressive thinker in learning and development as well as very practical. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can tweet me at David in Learning, connect on LinkedIn or on Facebook for which you'll find the links in the show notes. Goodbye for now. <laughs>